0: We sing these words every week, holy, holy, holy. At every Eucharist, they're part of the Eucharistic prayer and they come from the vision of Isaiah that we read this morning. Isaiah is transported to the heavenly throne room of God. He sees angels, seraphim flying around God's throne and singing this endless song of praise. The same song that we join our voices with every time we come around this earthly altar. Holy, holy, holy. What does holy mean anyway? It's sometimes been said that holiness is perhaps the fundamental attribute of God. In other words, God is a lot of things. God is good. God is beautiful, God is truth, God is powerful, God is wise and so on. But you don't necessarily have to look to anything specifically spiritual or religious to have the concept of beauty or power or goodness. Those of us who believe in God believe God is the source of all these things. So that anything that is beautiful or good or true or strong is a reflection in some way of God's goodness and beauty and so on. But you can have an idea of what these things mean without thinking about God. But holiness is a bit different because it really has no meaning without reference to God. And so to describe what it means to be holy is to describe who God is or what God is like. Holiness is Godness. Now one traditional idea of what it means to be holy is that God is separate, that God is far off and far off and separate, especially from anything that might be impure that God is separate from the slightest stain of sin or wrong or suffering or brokenness. That certainly is an awe-inspiring image of God. And then to prepare oneself to come close to God would mean taking steps to become pure, as pure as possible. Imagine a clean room at NASA where a space telescope is being built. And the engineers have to go into the sealed room with filtered air by putting on protective equipment and sterilizing themselves. Or maybe an image closer to home after two years of pandemic, imagine an isolation room at a hospital where we don gown and gloves. There are good reasons for precautions like that. But we also have to admit that they make it hard to come close to each other. The God who is untouched by us is easy to worship, but hard to get close to, hard to have an intimate relationship with. Now, often our religious systems as human beings go on to designate which people are closer to and farther from God. And all too often, who is considered closer to God has to do less with genuine sin and right and wrong and more with social conventions of acceptability or responsibility. There is such a thing as sin, of course. But it has to do not so much with how far you stay away from things like sex, drugs, or rock and roll. It has to do more with the orientation of your heart towards God and towards neighbor. None of us is free of sin. And so if what it means for God to be holy is that God is the sole inhabitant of a cosmic clean room, then none of us is ever going to get very close to God. Well, the scriptures we heard this morning have some good news in them because they give us a taste of a God with a different idea of what holiness means. The God of these scriptures doesn't stay far away in a sterilized heaven, waiting for us to make ourselves just clean enough before we get near. This God comes to us, comes to humans. Seemingly unfazed by our worthiness or un, mostly un. As God is in the business not of protecting God's own holiness, but of sharing it. And not only sharing it, but then of commissioning those that it's shared with. It's as if God is less in the business of waiting until we make ourselves good enough and more in the business of making us good enough so we can get that out of the way and God can use us. So look at Isaiah. He's in the presence of sheer holiness and he is terrified. Woe is me, for I come from a people of unclean lips and I am a man of unclean lips. God doesn't seem to see it as a problem. God can get Isaiah's lips cleaned up, even if it takes a heavenly, fiery coal to do it with. But God dispatches an angel, the purification happens, and then the commissioning. God sends Isaiah to go and proclaim the word to the people of Israel. Or look at Peter. He finds himself in the presence of God's holiness not in a vision of the celestial throne room, but in the person of Jesus, this flesh and blood human being who stands before him and who's somehow responsible for this incredible catch of fish. Peter is bowled over by what he experiences in front of him, and he drops to his knees. Same response as Isaiah. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Go away from me, this assumption that holiness requires distance. Jesus doesn't even send an angel with a coal. He doesn't engage in any ritual of purification. He simply says, don't be afraid. Surely there's an implication of forgiveness here, but that doesn't seem to be what's foremost in Jesus' mind. He just commissions him, commissions him to go out and fish for people. Or look at Paul. In the epistle reading to the Corinthians that we just heard, Paul is thinking back on his former life persecuting Christians. If there was ever a person who cared about God's holiness, it was Paul. He cared so much about God's holiness that he decided to stamp out a movement that seemed to be blaspheming God. Paul was in the business of protecting God. And then he met the living Jesus and his life changed. He was horrified at what he'd been doing. And you can sense that horror still coming through after all these years as Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, I am unfit to even be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, but, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul also met the living God. He was forgiven, and then God used him. By the grace of God, Paul became the apostle to the nations. Three stories, three commissionings, three cases where the God of the scriptures seems to be rather scandalously unpreoccupied with the worthiness of the ones who are being called to proclaim God's love. And it seems that God is less preoccupied with condemning sin than with responding to it, fixing it, setting it to right. Which is not to say that sin is not serious. It's simply to say that in the words of one Episcopal priest, I know, sin is no longer the most interesting thing about you. Because sin is a problem that God has solved. And what God wants to do, having solved this problem, to put us back into right relationship, to work through us, to bless the world. So, holiness might not mean exactly what we think it means. Yes, God is holy, infinitely holy. But that holiness means not standing apart from suffering from wrong, from sin, from pain, from brokenness. God's holiness is found in showing up right where those things happen. So where was the holiest place in Jerusalem on a Friday afternoon in around the year 30? Well, in one sense, it was the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount, the acknowledged place of God's presence a place set apart, a place of beauty and mystery. And God was there. But for those of us who follow Jesus, we believe that the very holiest place of all was found outside the city walls on a little rocky hill where God had come to be beaten and executed by some of the most respectable citizens of the day. I wonder what the holiest place is in Santa Rosa today. Is it this altar where Christ comes to us each week? Is it the tabernacle where we keep the reserved sacrament of Christ's body and blood? Well, in a sense, yes, because the sacrament is the presence of Jesus and nothing can be holier. But the thing about Jesus is, he doesn't stay put. He's slippery. You look to find him one place and you find him there, but he is somewhere else too. And Jesus doesn't stay put in places set apart. So maybe today the holiest place in town is an intensive care room at Memorial Hospital where Jesus is showing up, or a cell in the county detention center. Maybe today the holiest place is a kitchen in somebody's home where someone is struggling with addiction and Jesus is showing up. Or maybe it's in the front seat of a car where someone is driving away from an abusive relationship. Maybe the holiest place in Santa Rosa this morning was somebody's bedroom at 3.30 this morning as they got up to go to the first of three jobs. Or maybe it's in the bedroom of a teenager whose heart is hurting from something they just saw on Instagram. We can come to this space seeking holiness and we'll find it. But if we truly find it here, it will catapult us out to follow Jesus in all the other places he's moving, in all the places where his holiness is showing up and moving across the world that he came to save. Where will you glimpse the holiness of God today in your own life, in the life of a neighbor? Before you leave this place, gather around this table with the song of the angels on your lips. Taste the holy food that is God's presence, and then go out. Go out carrying God's holiness within you and go out looking for God's holiness, where you will find it. Holy, holy, holy.